Chant it out. Chant it out. Hello and welcome to episode 161 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. As always, my name is Jonathan Reimer, joined this evening by none other than Christopher Sines. Good evening, sir. What's going on, Jonathan? What's going on, Black and Gold family? Back for another episode. Looking forward to it. Uh, really hoping that we can turn the tides of our unsuccessful streak against our rivals this weekend. Yeah, big game coming up, right? Everybody knows it. We're not going to use the T word, but y'all know what it is. It's LAFC versus the Carson Galaxy coming up this weekend. Despite run of form of late being a bit against what we see in the standings, let us not forget we are sitting in third place and they are all the way down second to last. This is a game we should handle. But before we get into that, we have to talk, my friend, about yet another loss. We should have audio and it'd be like somber like funeral music or something like we should it should be like we should come up with some audio we'll work on that wilton we'll get wilton on that we need some some mozart's requiem to prepare us to talk once again about lafc losing i don't i mean to portland you know what i mean so you look at a lot of factors players not playing whether it's uh the turf or international duty um but at the end of the day, even with the players that we had in our starting 11, we just looked flat. We looked flat. We looked unmotivated. We looked lethargic and with with no pep in our step. And you can't do that. I, I don't want to hear this conversation about LAFC didn't put out a roster that was good enough to win on the day. I, I don't buy that for a second. Uh, up and down that starting 11 were all players of quality and caliber enough to have won this game. They just didn't execute, pure and simple. Um, passing was there. I mean, they, they had a great passing percentage on the game, 85%, 61% possession. We just could not create chances. Two chances created. We had two shots taken about five minutes apart. Took us till the darn 59th minute to get our first shot on goal. Both of our shots on goal from outside the box and both of them right at the keeper. I, I mean, yeah. we never tested Bingham all day. It's ridiculous. I, you know, and I, I don't, I personally haven't heard anybody say that LAFC didn't put together uh, a starting 11 that was a formidable 11. I mean, when you go down the roster, Vela, starter, Mario Gonzalez should be a starter. Uh, you know, Tillman, Bogush, Ilie, Acosta, all of them starters on our roster. Aaron Long, Palencia, Palacios, and David Jesus Maria. Like those are those are all people that are that are starters, in my opinion, or could be starters if you were to put them on any other team in the league. So I don't know. I don't see that either. You know, we have prided ourselves on the ability to have so much depth. Um and I I just I, I mean, we're running out of excuses to be able to to go to bat for what's going on right now with this club. And we just we have to just sit by and just continue to back them. But I'm I'm running out of reasons to, you know, justify the losses. I'm a, my only frustration with the starting 11 is seeing Bogush back up top. I, I really felt like at this point in the season, we'd realized that that is not the solution. I don't think we ever looked good with him playing in the front three. He's a midfielder. Play him in midfielder. You have other forwards. Play the other forwards. I, I don't understand this sort of 
4-4-2 roster that's playing in a 4-3-3. Like it just it doesn't work. I think we've learned that this season. And so I'm frustrated. And then when the subs come in with an opportunity to see that need and change it, I mean, both Ordaz and Krostev come in as like for like subs forward for forward midfielder for midfielder there was never the opportunity to to have a functional 433 where you're playing people in their natural positions i just don't understand playing bogush out of position he had the ball a lot in this game and did jack squat with it because it's not a position he's used to play and i just that baffles me that we continue to play someone out of position over going down our depth chart to someone who naturally plays that position it just seems it just seems very odd to me. I, I don't know if you had a similar frustration. Um, you know what? I think that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not so frustrated that Bogush was playing. Uh, I, I personally am very high on uh, Bogush, and I like having him on the field. Uh, and I think that he is able to be a a lethal player as a, as a winger and a striker. Um. So that that didn't really you know rub me the wrong way. Uh, I I do think that we have brought in players though that have not shown flashes of um, brilliance, and because of that, it is delaying us from actually utilizing them. You know, Kike Oliveira didn't even come up, didn't even play, right? Well, uh, he was he was on international duty. I understand, but even if he had been there, I'm saying that I don't even know if he would have played, right? Like, that's a player that has been getting very few minutes and hasn't really been doing a whole lot, right? Mario Gonzalez, another player, hasn't really been doing a whole lot. You know, we've got these players, so maybe they're trying to put in Bogush to see if that lights a spark because the players that we had brought in are not cutting it. Maybe it didn't work. Portland's not a very good team. And they looked like a really good team against us. Um, the first goal, very frustrating. Uh, that's got to be McCarthy's ball. You know, he goes out with two hands and completely whiffs on the ball. I mean, I know there's shouts for a foul on Ilya there, but I, that's got to be McCarthy's ball. You can't let that kind of ball through on a corner like that. It's just, it's just unacceptable. And then on the second goal, we're just, we're just trying to get cute, and it didn't work. And then we don't track back. We have a couple defensive mistakes at the back end off the counter press and, and, and that's it two nothing. And there, that's all she wrote. I mean, both of those goals were defendable goals. It's not like they scored worldies against us. I mean, we pretty much put both of those on a plate for him. Very frustrating. I don't know. And you know, as for John McCarthy, I feel like John has definitely done a very, he's been very strong uh, for us in the absence of Max Grippo. Uh, You know, and I don't feel like, John McCarthy has had very many of these blaring mistakes. You know, that that was an that was an error that everybody looked at and was like, man, that's got to be your ball. But I don't feel like John has had very many of those lapses in performance um in the last almost year that he's been between the pipes for us. You know, so I don't think that it's now time to move and say, hey, it's it's now time for us to bring Max back in. I mean, I don't think that John has lost his his uh starting position because of it but i know that there's a lot of people in the black and gold community that are clamoring for max to get that start again i think the one big difference between the two they're both great shot stoppers max has a little bit more experience under his belt 
and in my opinion, is a much better distributor of the ball. And that's really where, you know, McCarthy really struggles. He only really plays the ball to the center backs or to a retreating defensive mid. Uh, He's never really been great at, at the long balls forward. He's attempted it from time to time and occasionally it works. But but he tries it significantly less than I think tactically he should. And sometimes, you know, you can tell the distribution quality. There's a difference there between the two. So there's something to be said for, you know, I think Max, if he's healthy and if he's back and he's in full form right now, which we certainly don't know. We know he's back enough to, to be the backup, but whether or not he's healthy enough to be 100 percent and go for a full 90 plus you know, only the training staff really knows that. But I would like to see him get mixed in a little bit. I think that sense of competition helps elevate both players. So I'd like to see him get back in the mix. McCarthy continues to have performances like this one versus Portland. It's only going to make that conversation more in the forefront. But no, McCarthy's been a perfectly serviceable keeper all year. Better than, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, and it, it'll be champagne problems to have, right, when... Uh... Max Crepeau is, is really 100% fit and healthy, and we'll have to make a decision, a hard one at that point in time. But in the interim, I still think that John McCarthy is doing, you know, doing well, doing well enough for us to not have to make a switch, you know, especially this close to the postseason. You know, you have to go with the goalie that is most in seasonal shape. And Max, I think, is still working his way back into it. Well, moving on, and speaking of fit and well, uh, the players that were out on international duty. So Daniil Maldonado ended up playing a full 180 minutes. So I think we're unlikely to see him available for the weekend's game versus Carson. I think given the rest on the road and on turf to Chiellini, I think most of us would imagine it's going to be some combination of Chiellini, Long, Mario, with the other third party of that sitting on the bench. Does not look like Maldonado will be available. Buanga only played 10 minutes before he got subbed out. Now, before you panic about that, it was a a tactical switch because their goalkeeper got a red card, and so they had to take a forward out. So that sacrificed Buanga. So it certainly wasn't his poor performance that had him only play 10 minutes. But uh, nonetheless, he seems fresh, ready to go. Player that likes to, as he often says, play every three days. So he should be 100% ready to go. That is a massive bonus for the black and gold if Buanga is out there. That solves this whole conversation about playing midfielders as forwards. Stipe Buk uh, did go the full 90 in the second game. No goals, no assists in that time. So Stipe unlikely to be available as a starter, which means I think we're looking at Vela Gonzalez Boanga for Carson. Uh, Kike Oliveira played 45 minutes. Uh, also no goals, no assists. He could also be available off the bench for LAFC. So let's go ahead and fast forward to Carson. Chris, knowing the rest people are coming back off of, what's your starting 11? What do you think is going to be what Dolo puts out versus Carson? Honestly, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, what we saw against Portland, other than the fact that you now insert Denny Buonga, uh, Bogush goes back to the midfield, and then either Acosta or Tillman are going to be on the bench. Uh you know, so inserting Buanga, so Buanga, Vela, and Gonzalez, and then I would, I would think that he's gonna play Kellen over Tillman, just because you want to have that grittier midfielder who likes to get under the skin of the opponent, especially for a big game like this. 
Uh, so Ilya, Bogush, and Kellen. And then uh, your defenders are going to be Palencia, Palacios, uh, Chiellini, and we'll go probably long, and then McCarthy as the goalie. Interesting. You're not starting Hollingshead. Oh, forgot about Ryan Hollingshead. No, yeah, so Hollingshead over Palencia then. Palacios and Hollingshead. That that if you if you go that route, that's that's the same roster I have. Yeah. I agree. I think Tillman's on the bench, and I think Palencia's on the bench as well too. And I think Hollingshead comes back. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. So now let me. You... Okay, right. So let me ask you this, right? So we're on a bit of a skid. We always we always seem to underperform when it. Not always. We tend to underperform when we play the galaxy, especially when we are projected to win heavily. That tends to be the times when we underperform. When the galaxy are so far at the so far beneath the playoff line, they are near the cellar on the west, and LAFC is riding high. We don't play up to our level and to our expectations when it comes to this match. Um, so what happens, right? What happens in your opinion? You know, there, we have more to lose in this match than we do to gain because all everyone expects us to win. Everyone expects us to win. But if we continue to have these struggles, people are going to be upset. And especially because of the fact that we lose this weekend. Oh, there will be there will be a really bad vibe around the club if we lose this weekend, despite where both teams sit in the standings. And I'm gonna uh, say even at, if even if we tie this weekend, it's still it, like it's win or nothing. Hundred percent. Every time you're at home versus your rival, especially given the fact that we're on a slide at the moment. Um I will excuse the Portland loss if we demolish Carson because we were looking ahead. However, if we have a poor performance versus Carson, then 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 the whole season takes a completely different tenor. Uh, in their last four games, Carson last time out, uh, they tied two two versus St. Louis City. Good team, good result for them. I believe they were down two nothing in that game, and then there was a red card, and they got to play against uh, a ten man side and came back up two goals. Time before that, they. Ended in a thrilling nil-nil draw versus Houston. Before that, they beat San Jose 3-2. to That was a thriller of a match. And before that, they smoked a terrible Chicago side 3 to nothing. So one win, sorry, two wins and two ties undefeated in their last four games. That's, that's a pretty good stretch on the season by all consideration for them. And of course, LAFC have been playing somewhat woefully of late. So uh, despite the fact that they are second to last and we're in third place, uh, the stretches at the moment have been very cold for LAFC and, well, at least lukewarm in the case of of Carson. But I still think you just got to throw all that out the window. Like these games are just so different. And on top of that, we always seem to get the best of the galaxy, do we not? No, I, right. And and that's, you know, I, I don't think that past past performances are not indicative of what the match is going to show for us this weekend. I think that both teams are going to play hard and, and the rivalry is going to be an entertaining match. 
It's going to be close. It's going to be hard fought. Both teams are going to have to fight for this W. I just am not. I'm not sitting here and being like, LAFC is going to win. I know they're going to win. I want them to win. I If I were to be a betting man, I would p- place a bet that LAFC would win. But I'm also not sitting here being like, in my heart of hearts, I know that it's going to be true and that LFC is going to win. They're struggling right now, and we have struggled against the Galaxy in every season that uh, we've been here and had this rivalry. And it's, you know, you just go in hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. This is an LAFC team that this season could go out and destroy teams three, four, five, six, seven, nothing, and look like the greatest team in on the continent. And then the same team can go out and lose 0-2 to Portland and only have two shots on goal and both of them outside of the box. It's just, it's this LAFC team is impossible to predict. You have no idea whether you're going to get a lackadaisical performance or a stupendous performance. It, it just, it's so mind-numbingly irrational, the inconsistencies we've seen this year. And going into a big game, let's be honest, our record in big games this season is not great. So, I I mean. I think our last big win that I can recall is the the 3-0 victory over St. Louis back in July. You know, I mean, a regular season win, right? And, and. The, I mean, the FC Juarez game, that was a big win. But I'm talking about, like, MLS teams that we play in. We know, we've seen them. We've watched them. We know what to expect from those matches. I uh, mean, didn't we, we ha- smoke Salt Lake City right after Juarez, like, 3-0, I want to say? Yes, but Salt Lake's not. Like, I'm talking about a decisive win against a good team that you're like, man, yep. that was impressive. Right? Yeah, you're Getting- right. Getting four zero against Colorado when we come back from the from the Leagues Cup, that's not impressive, right? Because we know we should be getting four nil, right? Three nil against RSL, like we know we should be beating RSL. You know, it's like like I said, the three nil against St. Louis, who at the time was number one in the West, or they still are number one in the West, but at the time when we played them when they were number one in the West, that was like a wow, that was impressive. That was an exciting game. That was really good. I mean, I just want to point out that RSL is currently tied with LAFC for only in fourth place on a tiebreaker at the moment. So, I mean, it's not like RSL is a terrible team. They're in fourth place. Like, they're the team right behind us in the standings. I don't know. I guess I just, I don't hold RSL to the same caliber that I, I would against some of the Blue Bloods and the New Bloods that are in the West right now. Shade thrown at Chicho Rongo. Shade, did you hear, speaking of RSL though, did you hear about this this Danny Mazowski beef? He's refused to play. He's not showing up for training and he's not showing up for games because they promised him a contract extension that they have not given him. And he's going into free agency. He's currently making less than 100K a year. I think he's on 98,000 right now which makes him by wide margin one of the cheapest forwards in the league, especially given his production. And and the team promised, allegedly, when, when LAFC worked the trade, helped him go to a place that agreed to give him a contract extension and a raise. So he chose RSL as of the many destinations he could have been traded based on an assurance 
that he would get a re-sign and a raise. They have not offered him the re-sign and the raise, and he's potentially going to be a free agent. The problem with that is that as a free agent, he's only allowed to make a certain percentage more than his previous salary. However, if he re-signs with a club, it can be for a significantly larger dollar amount per season. Yeah, but that would only that would only be with RSL. He can't re-sign with another anyone exactly. other than RSL. Exactly. So he feels like they have been dishonest with him and put him in a difficult situation. So he's not showing up and not playing. Well, that's not going to get him to get the contract to resign. I just, it's a wild situation. I feel for it. Cause I'm sure there's 15 teams that would love a Danny Mazowski. Yeah. I mean, given, you know, the guys are about at double digit goals pretty much every year. Nets his number of assists. He's very productive. I mean, he, look, he's not a DP number nine, but for, I mean, a guy that comes in, he's a serviceable center forward in this league. I just, it seems a little, uh, seems a little shady. What's going on there in Salty Lake? Well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe this will be the last we see of Danny Masofsky in the MLS, right? Because if he's going to be handcuffed in terms of how much money he can make, right? It almost is in his best benefit to go and play somewhere else in another in another league and then maybe try and come back at that point maybe perhaps he reunites with one bob bradley who has a uh, old friend bob bradley found himself to back to fc stabek uh so good for bob bradley going back to uh, a team that he coached some years ago we'll see if he lures diamande or mazovsky or any number of players back over there with him but Nice to see, nice to see Bob Bradley land in a spot. Uh, you know, wish nothing but the best for him, especially if it is outside of MLS. Uh, I don't know if you heard, my friend, but the, there was another noticeable coaching departure in Major League Soccer as well. Too this one on a bit more salacious terms. Have you been following the drama around the New Jersey Red Bulls and Bruce Arena? I, I mean, I saw that Bruce had. Uh, had um, there was some insensitive comments that people are saying that he said and that he had stepped away from his duties with the revolution for some time. Um, and then recently he just had resigned from his positions. And now the New England Revolution players have had two closed door meetings and from what I've read, it appears they are not happy that he left uh, and they're refusing to play. That's my interpretation. So the players refuse to show up for a practice. The players have not been told what happened. All of the people involved had to sign NDAs so they can't speak about what happened. We know one of the broadcasters from the MLS shows was on a podcast and said that he made racist remarks. She then had to recant saying she didn't have the evidence to back that up and has been suspended by MLS, and she has not been back on the broadcast since. So, I I mean, there's a whole lot of storm around this. Uh, Apparently, the person in the organization that blew the whistle on it stood to gain from it as well, too, and there's a lot of people who question that. And then they went through, and they let go the rest of Arena's team, and basically promoted their MLS2 coaching staff on up to the first team. And by letting go some of Arena's team, or at least his, his coaching tree, 
they ticked off a lot of fans who were really big fans of those people and felt that they had, you know, didn't didn't warrant the guilt by association firing. I mean, and it's not like they've been having a terrible season, but you would have to think something like this is absolutely going to take this. I mean, we're talking about a second place team right now in the East. I mean, what is this going to do to their season? I don't know. I mean, but that's that's the whole thing where, you know, it's like, are you going to tolerate, you know, uh, especially in this day and age and climate, you know, if people are unhappy that you're employing someone who did something that they find to be disrespectful or unprofessional, you know, at what point do you look, look the other way? Uh, especially if you're a new England fan and it, and it, it immediately adversely affects your team that you support, you know, it's, there's a very, very, fine line that they have to navigate right here and unfortunately i don't think anybody comes out uh without any kind of um negative negative sides negative sides on either part everybody knows look there are magic words and if you say one of those magic words you're in trouble doesn't matter what your job is where you are in the world there's always something you could say that would be a really poor choice and there are consequences for those kind of poor choices and i think I don't, right I don't now, think any I don't think anybody's ever referred to those as magic words, bro. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think anybody's ever referred to them as magic words, man. That is uh impressive. Well, you know, I have to say uh it is a broadcaster's term. Whenever a player says something to a referee and receives an immediate adjudication over it, uh it's uh I've heard the phrase coined before that, oh, that player must have said the magic word. Might have been Vin Scully, actually, who said it for the first time, and that's where I stole it from. But, yeah, that's totally stolen. That's very clever. Very clever. I would love to say that it was my cleverness, but no, that's just me borrowing other people's cleverness, which is, yeah. Sorry. But, uh, I mean, we'll see. You know what? I can't really sit here and be too concerned with other teams that are outside of LAFC because right now my biggest thing is, man, when is LAFC going to figure it out? I mean, they're running out of time. They have, I think, was it five games left before playoffs? That's a very good question. I think it's a little bit more than that. But we have four games. Yeah, you're right. Six games. No, well, six. Six games. Six games. And until well, playoffs. seven technically if you count the Campione, the Campione's Cup. But it, it, I mean, we don't have a ton of time. Two months. We roughly have two months to figure it out. Before... I'm going to be, if we want the CCC spot on the line for the West, this is a must win game. They're all and right now, games. Right now, all the rest of these games are must-win games if you want to secure that home field seating throughout the West. So, well, uh, you know... Not not only that, I do you personally want to play a best-of-three against any other team in the West? No, not the way no, we're playing right no, now. Not even, no, not even close. If we can, I, if we can avoid that best-of-three round, that would be ideal. I, I mean... LAFC only have three wins on the road all season. I mean, that that scares me about having to play any games away from BMO. 
you know, we're, we're talking all this smack on the Galaxy. They only have two wins on the road this year. But, I mean, it, it's not – the road performance has not been good from LAFC this year consistently. And so, yes, I, home field advantage in the playoffs is massive for this team because we are significantly better at home with the 32-52 behind us than we are on the road. I wish that the MLS would not have changed this playoff structure. I'm not really looking forward to this new playoff structure either, by the way. No, it's 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 clearly a cash grab, let's be honest. I mean, between this and the League's Cup, I, I mean, they're really trying to milk every penny out of this season that they possibly can. I mean, it's just, there's just no other way around it, right? You add more playoff games because you want more money, not because it changes the competitive balance in any way, not because the previous system was broken. Like, this is just to add more games to make more money, period. No, I agree. I agree, but I digress. We have to get through this weekend. So talk to me. What are your predictions for the outcome of this weekend's match versus the galaxy. I think game is going to be won and lost in the midfield. Uh, how good are we at stopping Ricky Pooge? And are we going to be able to shuttle the ball through the midfield? If we can do both of those things, if our midfielders can get involved in the link-up play and we don't have to do this backline to frontline passing to try and get in behind a defense that's going to be 100% set up and ready for that, If we can find a way to just pass through the midfield effectively and in the same extent, stop Ricky Pooch from being able to just run through the midfield at will, then LAFC can dominate this game. They have all the ability and talent in the world to do so. However, if our midfield constantly runs into a dribble they can't beat and is turning the ball over, and one pass later that ball's at the feet of a wide-open Ricky Pooch who gets to look forward, pin the ears back, and find somebody, then it's going to be a long night for the black and gold. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I every every time I feel like, you know, we either talk about this club or somebody asks us what needs to happen for LAFC to win, I feel like it always starts with our midfield. Our midfield needs to maintain possession, be able to move the ball from the back third to the front third and if that doesn't happen, the the game the the game is we lose control. So I mean, look, so it's really going to be on Bogish offensively and Ilya defensively. And then whether it's Acosta or Tillman, we both think it's going to be Acosta. Acosta's got to be better at getting the ball forward, Um, period. Like, it, it just seems like he struggles to find that line-breaking pass, and we need him to do it in this game, and we need him to find that. He's such an elegant crosser of the ball. When he's wearing the USA jersey, I'm still just befuddled by the fact that it doesn't show up more in the black and gold kit. Well, I mean, look at the quality of players that he plays with on the U.S. men's national team versus LAFC. You know, when you're playing with the best 11 that the U.S. can produce right now versus, you know, how many Who of wins? guys. Who wins U.S. MNT versus LAFC? I would like to believe the U.S. men's national team would win against the LAFC. I'm not so convinced right now, but uh, we'll see. I don't know, but I'm just I, saying that's that's a fair argument. That's a fair argument. I would right? like to be, I would like to believe that you know when you look at the starting best eleven that the U.S. men's national team has, and these players are you know 
playing in Europe against MLS teams with players that some may no longer be at that caliber to play in Europe or are have never been at that caliber to play in Europe. I think that, you know, but then again, too, are we talking about a U.S. men's national team that has four weeks of camp and they can't really get any kind of chemistry together and you expect them to have significant results against a team that's been playing together for years or months? Depends on whose mom is calling the coach and starting drama. Oh, my gosh. Not <laughs> starting that again. I can't even get fit. That kid can't even get fit. It's wild, bro. It's wild. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be a lot closer. Um, I do think, yeah, yeah, U.S. men's national team should win that game. But uh, you never know. Anyway, brother, that about wraps us up for today. You got anything else for the folks before we call it? That's it. We will be back next week. Uh, hopefully talking in higher spirits. I don't like this feeling. I don't like this negative downer like i i want to be uplifted so i hope that i hope that lafc beats the brakes off of the galaxy and that we can come back and celebrate with a victory well hopefully we see you next week after lafc 10 galaxy zero folks on behalf of myself jonathan my co-host chris christian sound engineer wilton we'd like to thank you all for listening to this episode Take us home, sticks. To shoulder together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.